so in case you haven't noticed, uh, I had a little accident Monday. I was playing basketball. Somebody decided to, to block my shot and miss the ball and hit my thumb instead. So I, I ended up with a, with a broken thumb. So today as I preach, if I accidentally do something weird or you feel like I'm giving you a thumbs up, I'm probably not. It's just, it's just how my hand is formed for the next month, okay? So I, I can't help it. I might do something strange. It's because I, I can't help it. This morning, we're continuing a series that we've been in called Reflections. And this, this, this whole idea is that we're, we're trying to get our life as Christians to reflect that of Jesus Christ. And we, we've kind of talked about how a, a mirror reflects our face. Uh, so do our actions reflect kind of who we are and who we follow. So far, we've looked at what it's like to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to care like Jesus. And today we're going to focus in on what it looks like to pray like Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. says this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I love this quote because what it says to us is that if we're going to be Christians, we're going to have to be people of prayer. That prayer is very, very important. It is prayer that connects us to the power and the presence of God. And this morning, I want to look into some things of not just what Jesus taught us, but some of the things that Jesus did in his own prayer life. And, and if you haven't noticed, your outline is pretty full. We got uh, six things. We're going, to try to, we're going to go right at it, and we're going to try to get through these, and I promise it won't be two hours. I'll try. I think that if, if we're going to pray like Jesus, we have to let our prayers be an example to others. To let our prayers be an example to others. Luke 11, 1 says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, can you please teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? See, I believe that Jesus doesn't just come as an example of perfection, but he also comes as a teacher. He comes to show us the way, almost to lay out this path of righteousness, this path of holiness. And so the disciples asked him, they said, teacher, can, can you please teach us to pray like you? And, and this is the kind of the attitude that we see in Jesus throughout, that, that he came not just to be perfect, but to show us that there's a right way that we live. He washes the disciples' feet, and then he says, okay, I want you to serve other people like you serve me. And, and before he goes to be in glory and in heaven with, with God, he says, okay, disciples, now I want you to do what I've done for you. You and go and make your own disciples. He says, okay, disciples, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Then I want you to pray like this. I want you to teach others to pray like this. But I think a lot of us... Well, I think, I don't know if it's the voice of Satan or if it's our own internal doubt, but I think we, we hold ourselves back from, from being an example to others, from, from teaching others. I, I think we think about the idea of, of having disciples and we think, what? How am I supposed to, to have disciples? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm barely making it myself. I, I, I can't be teaching somebody else how to do this. But I think that God wants us not only to be willing to be disciples ourselves, but to disciple others. And I think the things that we have to keep in mind, what we have to remember is that it is God who works through us. 
It is not we who teach on our own, but he teaches through us. The other thing we have to remember is that everybody in the Bible that God uses is dysfunctional. And so you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm just too dysfunctional to be a teacher. Let me tell you what, every teacher you've ever had is dysfunctional because every person is dysfunctional. We all need our Savior. So we can't let those things keep us from teaching. And I think that it is in those moments that God uses to prepare us and to grow us even when we're unprepared. So I worked a job in a fitness center one time, and that may seem extreme, but really all I did was sit at a desk and check people in, okay? So I wouldn't get into a lot of fitness. And I had one of the teachers came up to me and said, hey, I really need you to teach my class today. I got somewhere else to be. I said, you want me to teach your circuit class? She was like, well, you've been in the circuit class. Yeah, I've been in it, but I haven't been teaching it. She said, well, you understand how it works. Just jump in and teach it. So I jumped in and I, and I, and I taught the class and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I kind of figured it out as I went. And guess what? The more I did it, the more... I understood what I was supposed to do, and I, I became pretty good at it. That's, that's what life is. We, we can't be so afraid to, to teach someone, because in those moments when we, we make that choice to teach somebody that God uses to help grow us. If, if you've ever been asked to like teach Sunday school or something, you're like, you try to over-prepare because you're like worried that you're not going to be good enough. Like, it's, it's okay. That's, that's, God works us through those things. And I think that there's a lot of us here that, that we're just convinced that we don't have any influence. And I think that there's something really important you have to remember that God will grow your influence as you step up. So if you decide, okay, God, I'm willing, send me wherever you want me to go, then he's going to put people in your life that you can influence for him. And I think the other thing that we can never lose sight of is that our children are the most important disciples we will ever have. And it's not just about whether or not you have biological kids. If you foster kids, if you counsel kids, if you're an aunt or an uncle or an older nephew or a grandparent, heck, if you're a babysitter, you have influence over children. And my question is, are you teaching your children to pray? Are you letting your children see you pray? Do you pray with them or for them? There's something that I decided as soon as Malin was born and as soon as I knew she was a girl, there was, I decided to, to say three specific prayers that I would pray over her over and over again. And one is, is that she would encounter God and his love to be real. The second is that she would have friends in her life that will always point her back to God and that one day she would have a husband that has a heart after God. Those are the three things that I prayed over her and prayed over her and still do today. And I remember that I felt God convicted me at some point. He says, Will, he says, what you're doing is it's great, but you're praying over her as she sleeps. Pray over her when she can hear you. And so every, every now and then, I, I rock Malin to sleep, and I felt like I was saying, why don't you just whisper those prayers to her so, so that she hears those, that she, she understands that important, prayer is important to me, and, and so she can hear those prayers as I'm praying over them, over, over her. And, and I think you guys understand this, like, kids learn what's important to us by watching what we do, not by listening to us. So I, when I was in high school, I remember every morning that I got up, I would, I'd get in the shower and I'd come out to eat breakfast and my dad was sitting in his chair reading his Bible. So reading the Bible is important to me, not because my dad told me to do it, because I watched my dad do it. 
Does that make sense to you? We've, we've got to be people that pray. And, and when we pray, we, we need to invite others into that with us, especially our kids. It's like going on a journey to deepen our prayer life, but man, to, to take people with you. And you don't have to be perfect. Just, we all got to start somewhere to do something. But I think God wants us to, to, to be real and raw and emotional and, and to invite others in that journey with us, especially, especially kids. I don't, I don't think you're ever too young to start praying. And it doesn't matter. Like sometimes Malin prays about the silliest stuff. Who cares? She's starting to pray. She's getting used to praying. She knows what it's like to call out to God and, and ask for him. Man, it's so cool. Every time we're, we're driving and, and we pass a, a fire hydrant with the lights on, Malin's like, man, we should, we should pray for wherever they're going. Like that, that's incredible. To create, we, we got to create atmospheres around the people. There's, there's somebody that, that's in my life. His name's Richard Fields, and he's a missionary, and one that we support, actually. I've gone on mission trips with him. He does something when we go out to eat that's one of the most uncomfortable things in the world. Uh, but I've grown to, to deeply appreciate it, and it convicts my heart. Uh, whoever is our waiter or waitress, he say, listen, I'm a believer, and I, and I, and I pray. Is there anything that I can pray for you? Uh, when we, before we eat our meal. And it's like, he's, he, what he's doing is he's inviting the rest of the world in and saying, listen, I believe in prayer. I think prayer makes a difference. And, and it's about showing that. What, what would it look like if we invited the people in our lives that are not Christians in our lives to pray with us? Like, can you imagine? I, I know, like I did practicum and I'd, I'd walk into the, the hospital and pray with people in there. Every now and then there'd be somebody who said, I don't want you to pray for me. But can I tell you that happened like one time? Like, what, what's somebody going to do? Say no? That's the, the worst thing that can happen. But what would it look like if, if we have uh, uh, this, this strength, this boldness to just be like, can, can I pray for you today? It doesn't matter whether or not they believe. And what if, what if that prayer that you pray over them changes their life? Let our prayers be an example for other people. And if we're going to pray like Jesus, I, th I think we've got to let our prayers be focused on the moment and not the words. We've got to let our prayers be focused on the moment and not the words. Matthew 6, 7 and 8 says this. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do because they think that with all the words they say that they're going to be heard. But don't, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Listen, prayer is about being with God. It's, a, it's about inviting God into being in your presence. Prayer is about intimacy, not eloquence. Prayer is about intimacy, not about the words that we say. It's about being real. It's about bearing your, your heart, your, your true self, your, your emotions, not some empty, well-thought-out lines. You guys understand this. You know that there's a difference between reality TV and actual life. I hate to be the one to break that to you, but they're reading lines. It's scripted. Okay? And that's, God doesn't want your scripted lines. He wants you. He wants your heart. He, want, he wants your emotions he wants what you're going through. He, it says right here in Scripture, he, he already knows what you need 
So be in the moment. Talk to God like you're talking to a friend. And I know sometimes that's hard for us because God doesn't maybe respond to us like a friend would. But man, sometimes I think that's, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word. I just keep wanting to say bull. Let me, let me tell you why. How many of you guys, and I know this used to happen a lot more back in the day than it does now. How many times have you been on a phone call and you've had a story to tell and you're telling the story and you're wrapped up in the story and you're telling uh, this person about all the stuff that's gone on and then all of a sudden you realize that the call has been dropped for like three minutes and you've been talking to no one. We come up with excuses, but come on, y'all. It's not that hard to just, to just bear our heart, to, to talk to God, like tell him what's going on. Like it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. We, we, that's the great part about talking to God. We can be alone and still talk to him. You introverts should be like, woo. But I, I think the same is true. It's like you find that comfort of talking to a friend and, and you think they're there. And I think we've, we've got to find ways to, to make prayer more accessible to us, to make it more natural. And I don't know if it means that you need to journal or to text or to write an email or a letter. Or, man, if you've got to hold the phone to your ear and pretend like somebody else is on the line, whatever you've got to do to make that more accessible to you. Can I tell you that the, the two greatest moments of my life since marrying Stephanie that was the best, let's be honest. The two greatest moments since then have both been words that my daughter has spoken to me. I remember the first so vividly. I, I was working and I was coming home and I had talked to Stephanie before, so I knew she was sleeping and I knew that Malin was sleeping on top of her. So, you know, I'm walking in the house and I'm trying to be super quiet. Like, you know, you turn the doorknob real slow. And I remember I like stepped on the wood rung and it creaked and Malin, you know, you're like, please don't hear me. Malin's head pops up and looks right at me. And she's like, dad, dad. It was the first time she'd call me dad. And that was so special that she recognized who I was. That meant the world to me. The second was the, uh, just one of those times where, you know, this was just out of the blue. And Malin looked at me and she says, dad, I love you. You're my best friend. I was like, Here's my wallet. Let's go get ice cream. You know, whatever you want, I'm yours. You know, because she melted, she melted my heart in that moment. Some of the greatest things that have ever been spoken to me is, Daddy, I love you. You're my best friend. Do you realize how that could change and revolutionize our prayer life if we just said those words every morning? It's, it's not about these complex thoughts and, and these beautiful words. God just wants us to be real, to communicate, to talk to him, our daddy. I just want, I want everybody to repeat after me, if you would. Father God, thank you. I love you. Protect me. Protect my family. Lead me in your path. You did it. You prayed. You prayed to God. You made that connection to him. How easy was that? How simple was that? Don't get caught up in the words. It's more about the moment. I also think in order for us to pray like Jesus, we have to let our prayers be honest but yielding. 
to be honest but yielding. How many of you that are here today are willing to raise your hand and say that you've been through some type of tragedy? Those of you that have been through tragedy, how many of you are willing to say that at some point you were angry with God? It's okay. Here's, here's what I think we do. Too, I, too often, I think us as Christians, it's like we're, we're afraid to be angry with God. And that, that is just so silly to me. Like, it, it's, it's okay. God can, God can handle your anger. He can handle your emotion. It's okay to be real with him. I think he wants to hear from us. Like, it's okay to complain. It's, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be confused or, or to be ashamed. Like, you cannot help the way that you feel. I want to read you a quote. This is from Jim Cimbala. And put it on the screen for you. Satan understands the potential of prayer far better than we. And he has developed cunning strategies to clog the asking-receiving channel. An unforgiving spirit, bitterness, secret sexual sins, the list is endless. And it can halt our praying. Every sin we hide and justify becomes a hindrance to having bold, confident prayer with God. And to lose God's blessing because we prefer to cling to our sins is to suffer the most profound tragedy imaginable. I believe that the same thing is true when we hide our emotions. Because it is only in the presence of God, it is only through prayer that, that God can heal us, that, that God can calm us, that, that God can bring us clarity. God is this, this potter and we are the clay, but, but he cannot mold us if we don't offer him our real, our whole self. He literally cannot mend broken pieces if we keep them from him. Don't hide your brokenness. Don't hide your dysfunction. Don't hide your, your evil thoughts and try to pretend like you don't have evil thoughts or, or evil desires. But what if instead we gave those desires to God and said, Lord, remold me back to obedience under your purpose and love. Take these evil thoughts and desires and give me new thoughts and desires. God just wants us to be real, to be open, to share and bear our heart, but to also remain pliable, to be moldable, and to be obedient. And I think Jesus displays this really, really well, so perfectly for us. There's, there's this moment right before Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's about to be crucified, and he goes to the disciples. He says, listen, I, I need you guys to go with me. We're, we're just going to go to the garden, and we're going to pray. And he goes and he, he prays before God. And this is what he says. This is Luke twenty two forty two. He says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, I will do your will. Yours, not mine, be done. I, I love this scripture. One, because it, it makes me feel better because Jesus struggled. So it, does, it makes me feel like sometimes, you know, we get this idea that, that Jesus is perfect and, and, and he was, but almost sometimes it's like he didn't even face what we face. I think here in the scripture you see that that is not true. Like he goes to God and says, God, do I really have to die on the cross? Is there a better way? Can I just stay and do more ministry and just like enjoy life for a little bit longer? But I'm going to follow your plan. I'm going to trust your plan more than I trust my own plan. See, Jesus in this moment, he's honest, 
about how he feels, but he's also yielding the Spirit of God and being led by him. I also think if we're going to pray like Jesus, we've got to let our prayers be constant. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, Pray without ceasing. Now, I don't think that this means that we literally never stop speaking to God. We, we can't afford to pray all day long. How could we ever love people or do anything that we're supposed to be doing if the only thing we ever did was pray? So we got to look at here and say, well, okay, so what is this verse trying to tell us? And I believe that this verse is telling us that we've got to learn to create an atmosphere, to create an attitude of prayer into our daily life. How many of you guys have had those friends that like you spend a ton of time apart, but then when you get together, it's like you, you never miss a beat? Like it, it was like you never even spent time apart. Like you just, you just have those relationships that are just so tightly woven that it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much time you spend apart and that there's nothing that can break you apart. And, and I think that's exactly what God has designed for our prayer life to be like. To, to be this, this ongoing conversation that we can kind of to pick up and put down whenever. To always be able to jump into that moment. You know, I, I, I think about times where we learn about people that need prayer. And it's not about like making a mental thought, okay, I'll, I'll pray for them later. But what would it look like if we just took that time to, to pray for them in that moment when God put that in our mind? I think God wants to do this when, when we face temptation. It's like, okay, God, there's something in front of me and I really want to do this, but I need your strength because I know this is not what I want. I think God wants to do this when, when we have negative thoughts and when we think, I'm just nobody, and, and I, I'm just not that important, and I'm having a bad day, and, and oh, what is my life worth? And I, it, No, in those moments to say, Father God, I'm, I'm having these thoughts, but I, I know that's not how you feel about me, and I don't want to feel that way about myself, so can you please, can you please help me? And I think God wants us to have the same attitude when we fall and when we fail and when we, we get trapped in sin to be able to say, okay, Lord, I screwed up. I screwed up, but I'm not a screw-up. Please, Father God, this is not who I want to be. Give me the strength and courage to be different next time. I also think it's about creating good habits. Luke twenty two thirty nine 39 says this. Jesus went out as usual to pray, and his disciples followed him. We hear that phrase in there that says, as usual, which means to us that this is something that Jesus did often. It was a part of his life. One of my favorite pieces of scripture, probably in the whole Bible, is John 21. I love, it's, it's like, just so much really cool stuff happens in that chapter. But there's, there's one story that maybe has never even stuck out to you before that just kind of blows me away. And what happens is, is that Jesus dies on the cross and the disciples are kind of lost for a little bit. They're, they don't really know what to do. Most of them are fishermen, so they end up doing what they know. They go back fishing because it's comfortable to them. So they're out fishing on this boat. They've been fishing all night long, and then all of a sudden Jesus calls out from the shore and says, hey, cast your net on the other side. So they cast their net on the other side. They catch a bunch of fish, and Peter's like, wait a second. Somebody just told us how to fish, fishermen? That's gotta be, that's gotta be Jesus. So he asked John, he says, John, is that Jesus? And John's like, I'm pretty sure it's Jesus. So Peter puts his tunic on and jumps in the water to swim to Jesus. Now, 
for the life of me, this is like, a, it's not like he's like right there. Like he's a mile away. They're about to turn the boat around and everybody's going to go see Jesus. So why in the world would you be foolish enough to just jump in and swim on your own? And especially why would you be foolish to put your clothes back on and then jump in the water? That, there's just so much about this that doesn't make sense to me. And I, as I thought about that and I thought, oh, wow, what Peter's doing here is he's putting down his routine. He's, he's quitting his work and he's going to be with Jesus. He's willing to stop what he's doing to get just a moment alone with Jesus. Because if he stays on that boat and gets there with the disciples, he doesn't get a chance to get Jesus alone. What would it look like in our lives if we were willing to put down our routine to make these healthy habits of finding and making time to be with God one-on-one? -on -one? Because I believe when the Lord saw Peter turning aside from his routine, then God used that moment to speak to Peter. Which leads us to the next point, which is in order to pray like Jesus, you've got to let your prayers be a conversation. Let your prayers be a conversation. Which to me in the simplest sense just means that it's not just about speaking to God, but it's also about taking the time to listen. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this, Call to me and I will answer. This last weekend, when we didn't have church, all of us youth were at State Youth Convention. And we do this thing every year at State Youth Convention where we gather together and we get in a huddle. And then I, I ask one of the questions. I say, I want you guys to tell me what, what has God taught you this weekend? Uh, one, because I want to hear what God's doing in their life. But two, I want them to process that. And I want them to try to think about, okay, uh, what have I learned? What has God said to me? What is God trying to teach me? And one of our students said something that is, just kind of blew me away. Her name's Gallery, and, and she started talking about uh, her routine in her life. And she said, you know, sometimes I find this time that, you know, I'll, I'll spend time in prayer or I'll listen to a worship song or I'll spend a little time reading the Bible. She says, but I, I noticed that most of the time I, I do that and I complete the task and I make the check mark and then I jump to the next thing that I'm doing. And she says, I think what God is teaching me is that I need to learn to, to take the time after that to open up my ears and listen to God. And I thought, <laughs> wow, if only I could have had that when I was her age, the understanding that sometimes we've got to be able to, to, to be willing to sit in silence and listen and let God speak to us. Scripture says, be still and know that he is God. James says, be slow to speak, but be quick to listen. And to me, all that means is that we, we allow ourselves to get in a position where, where we're able to listen and to be led by God. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to your way everlasting. Sitting in his presence and saying, God, would you, would you please search me? Would, would you show me the things in me that need to be dealt with? And then lead me. And the only way we can ever be led is if we take the time to listen to him. Because we cannot lead ourselves. Let your prayers be a conversation with God.
And lastly, I, I think in order to pray like Jesus, we, we've got to let our prayers be expectant. When you pray to God, what do you expect? In John eleven forty one through 42, Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. Jesus goes to prayer expecting not only for God to hear him, but for God to respond to him. I love the confidence that he has. And I believe that we can have that same confidence. But we've got to be willing to listen and to wait for him to respond. And the hard piece about this is that God doesn't always respond in the way that we want, but he does always answer us. And I think that he wants us to be expectant, almost to be ready and waiting for him to answer, waiting to, to listen, but, but determined to listen for him. How many times do you think we've missed out on God's provision or we've missed out on God's answer simply because we've prayed something and we've sat there waiting for him to answer the way we want him to? Be expectant for God to hear your prayers and respond to you. Be expectant for God to intervene. And sometimes that means that God gives you an opportunity. You guys know this. One of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray to God is for patience. Because when you pray for patience, God's going to give you opportunities to be patient. And I think that We've got to be open to let him work inside of our heart, to let him change us. And I think that prayer is, is always something that changes our attitude. I don't know if anybody else does this. Maybe, maybe I'm just the weirdest person on earth, which the youth will attest to that. But there's something, sometimes I'm laying in bed and I can't sleep, and then I just, I just start thinking about stuff. And sometimes I start thinking about death and, and what's going to happen when I die? And like sometimes I just start, I start breathing hard. I start to like almost like I'm having a panic attack. I don't know what a panic attack is, but I feel like that's the closest thing I've ever had to having one. I'm just freaking out. And then all of a sudden I, I just, I start thinking about Jesus. And I, thought, I start thinking about his scripture. And he says, in my house, there are many mansions. I've prepared a place for you. I love you. And then as soon as I get connected to that presence, my attitude changes. And I start to be at peace. I think, I think that's what God wants. He wants us to be expectant that he's going to show up and do something. I, there's times that I've prayed for people that I didn't like. Okay, has anybody else done that before? Uh, I've prayed for people that I didn't like because they were driving me insane. And I don't know that my prayers ever changed them, but my prayers did change me. It gave me a different perspective. And I think that's, that's what he's saying here. Not only be expectant that God's going to respond, but also be expectant that he's going to change us. And he's going to help us be the people that we need to be. Scripture says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't you see what he's saying here? He's saying what prayer does is when you're anxious, you pray, and then after you pray, you're at peace. That's the process here. Be expectant for God to help change you.
I want to close this morning with a piece of advice that I got from one of my bosses. And it was just before I was about to get married and my boss had called me into his office and I was a little worried that I was going to get fired, not because I had done anything wrong, but just because usually when I got called into the office, I was in trouble. Uh, so I just kind of expected that. I remember he, he sat there in front of me and he says, Will, you're about to get married. He says, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He says, I've been divorced and I have now a successful marriage. And I'm going to tell you that there's one difference. He says, we can talk about all different kinds of things, but in my heart and in my mind, there's only one difference between those two marriages, and that's prayer. He looked at me and he says, I know this is, is something you hear a lot, but it's true. He says, a family that prays together stays together. And then he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, when prayer is the last thing you want to do, it's the most important thing you can do. He said, because there's been times where, where me and my wife were button heads and we're angry at each other and we stop and pause and, and we hold hands and we pray for each other and our attitude has been changed and we're able to talk sensibly and continue to love one another. This morning, I just... I'm going to close and we're going to play a song. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Whether it's you want to come to the altar in prayer, you just want to sit down, maybe you want to kneel down in the pew where you are. I don't know. I, I just feel like I want, I want to give you an opportunity. Just take some time today to just focus your mind in on Christ. And, and maybe you need to pray about something Maybe you don't know what to pray about. Maybe you just need to sit and say, God, I don't have the words. Can you speak to me? Father God, thank you so much. Lord, that you didn't just leave us here on this planet to try to just figure junk out on our own. Father God, you've made a way for us to communicate. A way for us to hear from you. Father God, I just ask that you would challenge us. Lord, to just be more intentional about our prayer life. To just do it more often. To do it when we're surrounded by witnesses. To just be people of prayer. To be people that believe and expect that when we pray that we're not only heard, but Lord, you're moved, so moved to help impact our life for you. So Lord, as we, we leave from this place, Father God, we just ask for the strength and courage to be more like you, to pray like you, to serve like you, to make disciples like you did. Lord, to just help people along the journey. Even if it's just to help them feel less alone. Lord, help us to connect. And help us to connect deeply, deeper to you. Father God, we love you. Go with us from this place. In your holy name, amen. 